Seinfeld, the Junior Mint is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are about to go after this and watch Home Alone on VHS. <laughs> I'm Rob Sessionier, here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I, I've actually seen Home Alone 1 and 2, shockingly. Wow. Did you see them in the right order? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to. You know, who, how would you have any clue what's going on in Home Alone Two if you hadn't seen Home Alone One? You would be lost. You would be. You would be lost. Okay, Akiva, I'm very excited to talk about the Junior Mint today. Junior yeah, a, Mint. It was a very refreshing episode. A very refreshing episode, and we don't need much refreshment because we are cruising along here in season four of Seinfeld. But this is a very fun episode. Yeah, and we are one third of the way done. Well, wow, look at us. 60 out of 180. How about that? They said we would never make it. They said we would never make it a third of the way done. And here we are with season four, episode number 19 from March 18th, 1993. Of course, the Junior Mint, the main story going on is Elaine is dating a guy, or at least her ex-boyfriend was a guy who was having his spleen operated on and Jerry and Kramer go and watch the operation and inadvertently drop a very refreshing chocolate covered mint candy into the incision. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, you know, really as famous uh, of a Seinfeld scene as there's ever been. And on top of that, Jerry dates a woman whose name he does not recall, except for the clue she gives him, which is that it rhymes with a woman's body part. Think about all the fun they had in the writer's room that week, trying to you know pitch names for this body part. Yeah, I suspect it was probably not much different than the scene of Jerry and George in the diner in this episode where they're trying to guess what it is. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and in the inside look, it's revealed that uh, a fan actually came up with the final name. Yeah. Um, which uh, we'll get to later. Which was a lot better than what they had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what do you say you ready to uh, give us some seinfeld news akiva sure okay sure i feel like we need like a news like a news song we don't need a news like song maybe you should sing it every week i yeah. don't know i feel like <laughs> ryan elder doesn't listen to this podcast yeah we got to get ryan elder on board <laughs> okay. one of those guys so i've been saying this for a few weeks because it's about the junior mint uh oh. there's a very a very interesting article from uh the uh, online site the verge which is called the Translating Seinfeld. Translator Sabine Sebastian, great name, doesn't rhyme with uh, female body part, but nonetheless. Uh, so Sabine Sebastian tried to bring Seinfeld to Germans, yada, 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 it flopped. Hmm. And um, the article, which is, uh, has a lot of interesting info, goes into uh, a lot about uh, you know, which country Seinfeld is popular in outside of the United States. They say it's very popular in Latin America. But uh, in non-English speaking European countries, they didn't get a lot of the jokes. Um, They also said like one of the things they were hoping that um, it would become more popular when they sold the online rights. But Hulu's really an American company. I think it's just the United States and Japan. Okay. Uh, Like Netflix is available in most countries. So, you know, it didn't really work out for them. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, which is maybe another reason why Netflix didn't want it, because they wouldn't have, you know, the uh, the international audience that they're expecting for a lot of their shows. Uh, so it goes into how so if a, if a country is smaller and has less money 
they'll just hire someone to translate it and put it on, you know, subtitles on the bottom of the screen. Right. And then for a larger country like Germany, they will actually hire uh, voice actors to to dub over the voices of, uh, you know, the uh, Jerry Elaine, George and Kramer here. So uh, so she does that. And so it just goes into how like, uh, you know, when when there's a joke that doesn't like this, the reason why they, they pick the junior mint is because uh, the, th- the things that rhyme with female body parts in English don't necessarily rhyme with them in German. Right. So, you know, so she, not only is she just translating, she's also like coming up with comedy. You know, she's got to make the jokes into German, which is difficult. Yes. Okay. So so she ended up substituting Dolores with Ushi. Ushi. Yeah. Which okay. I, I don't have to get into, but I guess if you speak German, it's... Uh, it also rhymes with a female body part. Okay. All right. Well, that's for our <laughs> German-speaking listeners. Uh, and they could tell us exactly uh, what that means. All right. So, are you ready for your Seinfeld trivia question? Oh, boy. I'm never ready for it. Okay. It's so funny that we've had such good luck with these. I pulled this card out of the box. I don't, I don't go through these. What candy is Kramer describing when he says, it's chocolate, it's peppermint, it's delicious? Oh, boy. This is Junior Mint. Although... Uh, if you see in the scene, and it's also mentioned in the inside look, what they throw into the, because I guess because it's larger, what yeah. they throw into the body cavity is uh, peppermint patty. Yes. I mean, uh, pep- what's it, what's, is that the name of the candy? Peppermint patty. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Real quick, what do you prefer, a junior mint or a peppermint patty? Uh, I've never had either. Oh, oh yeah, because you don't like chocolate. Yeah, I don't eat chocolate. When I go to the movie, like, what, what's your go-to snack when you go to the movies? Popcorn. Yeah, I like popcorn. I'm not a big um, candy guy in the movie theater. I do like candy. I, I, I'll give you my, my Mount Rushmore of movie candy is uh, M&M's, Milk Duds. Never have Milk Duds outside the, the movie theater, but like them in the, in the movie theater. Raisinets, same thing. Never going like, to buy Raisinets at like, the CVS. And uh, Twizzlers or Red Vines. That's my number one. But you eat Raisinets? Yeah, I'll eat Raisinets. I, I thought you don't eat chocolate. I'm, I don't like chocolate, but I will. But if you put <laughs> nature's candy in the mix with a raisin, <laughs> then then you're on board with the chocolate. For whatever, like there's certain chocolate, like Nestle Crunch. Yeah. I'll eat. I'm I'm not like a you know one of these like vegetarians who doesn't eat any meat. Like I don't like chocolate, but I will stumble across it sometimes. Okay, all right. Are you ready to jump into this? Yeah, I am. All right, let's talk about the Junior Mint. The stand-up to start off this episode, Jerry is talking about the act of committing adultery. To commit adultery, you have to be in a commitment. So before you can have the commitment, you have to have the commitment. Why is he talking about adultery here? I don't know. It doesn't really fit with the episode, right? I mean, but again, there's a couple that like, okay, I have this stand-up. There's no episode that's perfect for it. I need, you know, and maybe if they save this for another season, we could find an episode where this would work better. But, uh, you know, not every, you know, a lot of the standups are pre-written, pre-written so not every uh, standup can work perfectly with the episode. Yeah. The only way that I think you could shoehorn it in there is if you talk about how Jerry is pretending to be Elaine's boyfriend, but she's kind of flirting with the guy that's going to have surgery. And that makes sense, but it's a little bit of a stretch when little, you think about it. Little bit of a stretch. All right. So let's get into the episode. Jerry and George are talking about how Jerry met a new woman and he met her in the produce department in Kiva because there is a lot of melons around. There's a lot of squeezing, a lot of smelling. Are you buying that the produce aisle is the most sensual of all the places in the supermarket? 
It's a very provocative area, he said. Yes. Yes. Uh, and my buy like oh, within the supermarket, if you were gonna have to pick up a uh somebody in in one aisle, I guess the produce can't you can't go wrong because there's that's one of the aisles where there's a lot of talking, right? Like, hey, this apple doesn't look good, right? You're not gonna be like, uh, hey, what do you think about this box of fruity pebbles? Doesn't it look uh, strange? Yeah, but you love fruity pebbles. I do love. Well, I, I, even if they're even if like the fruity pebbles look strange, I'm still buying them. Yeah. What do you think the conversation was between Jerry and this woman in the supermarket? I feel like you know it was it was a lot like you know conversations we'll see later in the series with Kramer and Jerry. You know, they're just analyzing the quality of the fruit. It's yeah. a, it's a real it's a real you know icebreaker. <laughs> now, how come Jerry doesn't go to Joe's for his produce? You, I mean, if Joe found out, he would be banned again. <laughs> well, he hasn't been banned yet. Yeah, I know, but uh, he's lucky that he didn't get caught. <laughs> but Jerry didn't get the woman's name. So, of course, this is going to be a big deal in this episode. I like that there's a moment that Jerry just picks up like some rotten bananas and is just like, uh, bananas, why don't I even get these? Yeah, a lot of times bananas are like dead on arrival when you come home. DLA. Yeah. Apples too. My wife, sometimes she'll bring home an apple. I'm like, Oh, nobody's ever going to eat this. It's going, I just put it straight in the garbage. I know in the RHAP patron group, this has come up a number of times about when is the perfect time to eat a banana and banana etiquette. What is your call on the banana? Do you like the banana closer to green? Can you eat the banana? If it starts to have any spots on it? Yeah. I like to almost eat it when it gets home from the store and then like I'll open it up and I'm like, Oh no, it's not ready. And then you have that weird thing where like, what do you do? You put it in the fridge because it's already open. Oh, forget that. You know, and then it's like, and then it's dead. Forget about it. But that's what I, that I want. Ideally, the first minute it's edible. Hmm. And I want it the last minute it's edible. I, I, I hate when it get the spots and like not even spots anymore. Like it's brown. Yeah. It's, it's not what nature intended. I don't mind if it's brown on the outside, but when it's just like, I won't eat like the, if it's like has like rotten spots where, you know, not like a trash compactor. Yeah, you're really playing with fire with the waiting too long for the bananas. I live on the edge, Akiva. Yeah, you're a wild man. <laughs> so what happened to George here? He got a call from the controller's office. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we see this every week where the, the number four storyline sometimes is a stretch. So, yeah, here the state controller's office calls him and he says, I, I, I remember these people came to school uh, when I was in school. They came and like, Hey, if you put in like the Apple Savings Bank, you know, $100 a month or $100 a year, like you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 25. So I guess George did that. Okay. So I get that. Why did he get a phone call about this now? I don't know. I have a friend who likes to, you know, they have this like unclaimed money for New York State. Yeah. So back now, like back then, maybe they called because now you just Google your name. So my friend like Googles everybody's name. So like a couple of times I forgot to deposit a paycheck. And then eventually goes to the state. So I've had like, you know, actual money. It's not like a scam. Okay. It's free money. It's great. They send me, you know, they just send you and it's like getting a new paycheck or something. So George ends up, he has $1,900. I mean, this is some phenomenal level of interest that he's earned, right? I mean, how much money could he have put in to start? Well, he said 50 cents a week. So maximum, even if he was doing this over the summer, when there was school was not in session, $26 a year. Yeah. So, I mean, let's extrapolate. Like, even if he does it for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? That's $260. It's $260. Turns some, to 1900 That's pretty good. Somehow it's turned to 1900 Like, I, was he investing with Bernie Madoff? Like, this is an incredible return. But anyway, so he has $1,900 and he needs to spend it. He wants to turn it into something big. Maybe he's going to go to the track. 
This is really what, what poor people or people who are horrible with money always say no. Like, <laughs> this is a miracle, right? Like, your 26, you know, your $26 a year turned to $1,900. Like, just put it back in the bank or, you know, reinvest it. Yeah. Like, why are you spending this money? Yeah. <laughs> well, George says, well, it's found money. Do you ever have this? Like, is there anything for you that you get and like, oh, this found money. I'm going to do something that is stupid or like that I wouldn't normally do with my money. Boy, I never say that I'm going to do something stupid. Like, I'm never like, hey, let me go to the track. I got well, I like got even the money. fancy dinner that you would not normally have or, uh, I, you know, I, whatever your splurge is. Yeah. I would say a lot of times I'm like, oh, I really want, like, I want to buy some piece of equipment. And then it's like, oh, okay, now I can get that thing that I want. Right. Although that's like a tax write-off, right? It's for your work. I mean, it is for my work, but I have no other hobbies, Akiva. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. But so that's not exactly wild. But <laughs> if, you know what I have? <laughs> we already said the wildest thing I'm doing is eating bananas right before they turn <laughs> completely rotten. We've established uh, this. What I, the one time I will be like, uh, you know, frivolous with my money is uh, if I win like a fantasy football league or something, mm -hmm. I'll never like put that money back. That's like $500 that's like needs to be wasted in the stupidest way possible. You don't just put it into escrow to pay for your fantasy football dues for every year for the next I, 10 years? I have. Luckily, I've won a few fantasy baseball seasons, so I, I kind of ha have that. I'm always like a year ahead. Because I never want to like take money out of. I have a separate account, but I never mentioned this. I have a separate account just for my fantasy sports and gambling. Yeah. Well, also I run the pool, so like I'm the guy who everyone sends the money to. Oh, look at you. So I I need to uh, you know like have it so because my wife doesn't like. Hey, why'd you just take out like fifteen hundred dollars from the account? Yeah. And you know, and then I just say, oh, it's fantasy football. But then like it doesn't doesn't work. You never remember to, like pay your right hand with your left hand. It, it never happens. Okay. So Kramer comes in. He has got some gloves. He's got like gloves that you would wash the dishes with. And it turns out that he is going to be staining his floor. Yeah, this also like barely goes anywhere, all this wood. Yeah, this doesn't go anywhere. He wants to be surrounded by wood. He has wood wallpaper. And then he's going to be staining his floor with wood. He says that he wants to make his house look like a log cabin. I feel like there's a couple things in this episode that are seem out of canon with things established in earlier episodes. Wouldn't you think that when Kramer starts talking about how he wants to turn his house into a log cabin, that at least George would say, you of all people want a log cabin after you burn Susan's father's log cabin down to the ground? Yeah, it's a huge missed opportunity, right? Like, it's fine for Kramer to say the log cabin thing, but George has got to make that joke, especially it happened this season. Yeah. And everything this season is tying together. A bad miss there by the side. That's why one of us needed to be in the room at the time, as we've established. <laughs> We could have been the writer's assistant there to say, actually, if you're going to talk about Log Cabin, you need to have some mention to the Log Cabin Kramer already burnt down this season. It's just a free joke. I don't know why they didn't do it. All right. George has a VHS tape. He's rented Home Alone. Now, this is really the storyline in this episode that goes nowhere. The Home Alone thing? Yeah. Just because I mean, you see him crying? It's a funny beat, but ultimately, it doesn't tie into any other story. And it doesn't even ultimately tie into George's eventual story. And maybe they're handicapped a tiny bit, as we've said before, like the fact that especially like especially with Jason Alexander, you know, that he's so sensitive that if he doesn't have a storyline, he's going to come in and threaten to quit the next day. You know, you have to give him something to do and it can't always tie into like the A or B story. I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought it was funny, especially when Jerry comes back and George is crying and he says, look at you. Look at you. 
I think that's very funny, but ultimately, as far as the plot goes, that doesn't tie into anything else that's happening in this episode. No, it's totally unrelated. Yeah. Again, it is a funny gag and a funny joke that George says that he was lost, that he could not make out what was going on in Home Alone 2, ironically, lost in New York. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw that one. <laughs> but you did see it. Yeah, I, I like at the time, you ha- like if you had said like Macaulay Culkin is just going to in, you know, in 20 years going to be some weirdo who's like in a weird band in New York City and you just like see him on the street and like he's not going to be in Hollywood at all. Like no one would have believed that. No, <laughs> I don't know. The track record for child actors really does speak for itself. Even then, you I know, feel like, you know, who's really shocking. Were you a home improvement fan or no? Yes. So, I mean, the fact that Jonathan Taylor Thomas isn't, you know, Tom Cruise. JTT. You know, it's, it's like, I'm still expecting him to make it big. <laughs> He's going to come back. He's going to come back with it, when they do the relaunch of home improvement, that he was going to be the new uh, tool man, Taylor. It, I, like, it's hard to explain for someone who's younger than us. Yeah. How popular he, I, I don't know if anybody since then, maybe like One Direction, mm. that's like the only person you could explain. Like every girl had like posters of him on their wall. Yeah. You know, he could have had any girl in the country. It's really difficult to explain like, and how he just fell from grace. You think he's like loaded with cash? No. No, it's, that's so sad. Took all his money. I bet all these kids, their parents took their money. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Akiva, in all of our updates and talking about the news and talking about the potential home improvement reboot that they're going to put on the Disney Channel right after Girl Meets World, where Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the new Toolman Taylor, did you catch any of the articles about the Back to the Future reboot that will never happen in his lifetime, according to Robert Zemeckis? Yeah, I was too upset to talk about that, but bad job, Zemeckis. <laughs> now, now we have to be like George and hope Zemeckis hit, you know, kicks the butt. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis says that he has it where legally he can't make, they can't remake Back to the Future while he's alive. At his funeral, they're going to start casting it, Rob. Mm. That, like, because this also, because we were right. Like, obviously, this is the first movie Hollywood make because you can make an endless amount of these. You go back to every era future past whatever yeah, yeah so zemeckis is holding it up i i think you know we said last time we would need like five million or eight million the kickstarter i think zemeckis is just playing hardball with us rob oh you think that's what it is you think he's just yeah i think we need to up the like, kickstarter like 15 for like 300 mil 300 mil just for the kickstarter <laughs> well is you think zemeckis is just holding out for big bucks so you think that he's like just like oh not in my lifetime and then yeah he doesn't want to make it himself but i'm sure there is a price in which Robert Zemeckis will say yes to us. So we just have to figure out that price. Okay. All right. So Kramer comes back in. He says these gloves are no good. He needs gloves with a little bit more of a feel to it, not like these, you know, rubber gloves. Why is he using hospital gloves for like, you know, real craftsman work? Why, you know, don't you use like, that's not what, if you go to like a job site, that's not what the contractors are using, right? Well, he's doing like a staining project so he's not like handling hot things or anything like that i think he could get get by with staining the floor wearing sort of latex gloves not like rubber kitchen gloves i don't know why the kitchen gloves are no good but i think that you don't need something that's like heavy duty you just don't want to get the stain on your hands he's just being so cheap like how much this is like 50 cents at the store (laughs) well you can't just get a couple i think you have to buy the box yeah you're probably right they probably come in like bulk or you have to like go and 
you know, it's, it's, you know, we're like distributors that sell to the hospital. Yeah. All right. Elaine comes in big ovation for Elaine. We are in the era of big ovations for any of the principals as they come in for the first time. Yeah. The key is like the later you are in the episode, when you walk into Jerry's apartment, the bigger of an ovation. And it has to be in Jerry's apartment, right? Nobody ever gets an ovation walking in the monks. That's right. That'll be Jerry's apartment. Home base. And so she talks about Roy, the artist, and Elaine had been seeing him, but she hadn't. He was a little too, and Jerry says, artsy, and Elaine at the same time says, fat. Yeah, that's a good line. Because <laughs> she says, you don't see a lot of fat, starving artists. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I feel like most artists in general are on the thin side, no? Hmm. Successful or not. Yeah. Yeah. So Roy, the artist, he is struggling uh, with his weight, but also struggling to move paintings and struggling to get past the lane. But we don't know that yet. Yes. So he has an issue with his spleen and she needs to go visit him at the hospital. Could Jerry go with him and play the boyfriend? It's a good plan. How like what's the timeline here? Did they just break up? They couldn't have just broke up. The guy right, lost, they couldn't have like, just broken up because he said like he lost the weight after. Like, is this from like a season three boyfriend that we just never saw? Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say okay. timeline is maybe six months, eight months, something like that. Because we've seen Elaine interested in other men this season. There's no way we know she wouldn't, you know, do anything adulterous. Pre-Dr. Reston. Is that, is that okay? Fine. So like late season three. Yeah. What is it about Elaine that she gets such a hold on these guys? I mean, she's the only lady in the room always. <laughs> I guess so. All right. So we go and see Roy in the hospital and they come in, Elaine and Jerry. Jerry's going to pretend to be the boyfriend. And Elaine is very taken with Roy. She says, he looks terrific. Akiva, what did this guy look like before as to see this guy in his current state that Elaine is so taken with? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, right? It Visually, it's weird because you don't like Elaine sees it and she knows that he's lost the weight, but the viewer doesn't understand because he's still a thick guy. Right. And he's so, not an especially handsome guy. He's no JTT in his prime. Uh, nobody's JTT. He's not even, <laughs> he's not even Brad Rob. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the guy looks kind of like, uh, did you ever watch the show coach? A couple times, but yeah. I'm not going to remember the character. Yeah, the, the one of the assistant coaches, Dauber, that's what the guy looked like. I think it would have been funny if they had like a really thin guy and Elaine was like, he weighed 400 pounds like six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy, he wasn't like a very handsome guy where it was like, oh my God, this guy looks great. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. He's a regular looking dude. Yeah. But Elaine was really, oh my God, he looks so terrific. And so <laughs> we see Kramer. He's lurking around the hospital looking for gloves. He finds the mother load. And we see George watching Home Alone at Jerry's apartment. George had to watch Home Alone at Jerry's apartment because he feels like he's doing something if he's watching it at Jerry's house. Yeah. <laughs> watching Home Alone by yourself is doing yes. something. <laughs> Would you ever watch TV at somebody else's house to feel like you're doing something? Sure. Oh. Have sure. You done I mean, that? like, in theory, like, it. If I went, like, we would go maybe, like, my family would go, like, upstate to, the ca to like, a cabin, like, a friend's cabin. And they would be like, hey, we're going out, like, uh, blueberry picking or hmm. something. You know, we're going to, like, the pool locally. Like, no thanks. I'll stay back and watch TV. <laughs> right. 
Because then you're doing something. Then I'm, I'm doing something, but like I'm not going blueberry picking or whatever. Okay. So we find out that Roy lost all this weight after he stopped seeing Elaine. He couldn't eat for weeks. And Elaine does a very funny get out of Roy on the hospital bed. Yeah, get out hasn't like made it mainstream yet, but it's getting there. It <laughs> made it there. This was a big reaction from Roy and the audience. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this, Roy. Now, another thing in this episode that doesn't go anywhere is Jerry's use of the yo-yo. Yeah, it's like almost a metaphor for like we need to give some of them something to do. Mm. So like Jerry doesn't have uh I mean if you think about it, you know, so when when they're away from Mulva I guess, which is what we'll, we'll call her until we funded her real name at the end. Uh, when we're away from Mulva, you know, Jerry also has got nothing to do here, just like George and Kramer. So give him, like, instead of letting him Jerry, your main character, sit in the background, give him a yo-yo. Yeah, he couldn't get the yo-yo to sleep. Later on, he's going to be doing it around the world with the yo-yo. <laughs> so it's weird. I thought with the yo-yo, maybe when they are up in the balcony and Kramer has the junior mints, I thought maybe, oh, what if Jerry was doing yo-yo tricks and that's what knocks the junior mint into the guy? Yeah, again, with 2020, we're really crushing this episode, Rob. (laughs) So. Do you think Larry David has it in his contract that they're never allowed to rewrite episodes of Seinfeld? (laughs) Let's remake all of Seinfeld. (laughs) Just just certain episodes that like drive us nuts. Yeah. All right. So Elaine wants to take Roy out to dinner and they're going to go on Friday and Jerry jumps in honey aren't we going to the poconos have you ever been to the poconos yeah i think my camp was that was in the poconos oh. there many times was it romantic like being around other nine-year-old like when <laughs> well, you're nine no years old. no <laughs> well i was nine don't get too great uh was <laughs> i'm sure when i got older i would have liked it for it to be romantic but i don't think any of the you know the girls there wanted it to be romantic yeah it seems like the Poconos is just like, oh, let's take, go there with your, with your uh, significant other. Really? Is that a thing? I feel like it is, right? I don't know. I just know it is like that. I also think it's like this vague area. I'm not sure if the Poconos is like, has like, uh, like boundaries. You know what I mean? It's like anywhere in like Nowheresville, New York, or like the you know, tip of Pennsylvania. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like couple stuff. Like I feel like I remember like, as a kid, like seeing like a lot of commercials for like stuff in the Poconos. Like, I feel like it was like a, <laughs> I feel like if you got married in like an era before it was customary to go to like the Caribbean or some like really good honeymoon spot. I feel like Poconos is a place that you might go. Niagara Falls, Poconos, someplace in that area. Yeah. I don't think that would work. I don't I'd try like pointing that one off. Anyway. I don't think that's <laughs> like, going to fly. Hey, where are you guys going on your honeymoon? Poconos. Uh, oh, so like 75 minutes away from your house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's a thing. I think people are doing that. It sounds better than Hawaii. Yeah. I think people, some people do that. So yeah, Poconos or Aruba. Either it's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when the doctor comes in, they're talking about this procedure. And Kramer asks him if they're going to be using an inter-abdominal retractor because he saw that in what, 2020? Yeah, 2020. Okay. And so they will not be using the inter-abdominal retractor that was featured on 2020. But Kramer asks, so you will still be using a retractor. I, I also love this whole scene. Like 
the doctor comes in and says, I want to see if you have any questions. And he's talking to Roy. And Kramer's <laughs> like, yeah, I got a question. <laughs> hey, Kramer, Roy, by the way, I, I you have to give Roy some props here. Unless he's like heavily sedated. Like he should be going nuts that these people he's never met. Like Jerry is like, you know who Kramer is? His ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend's friend. That's who's in his <laughs> hospital room when he's finding out about his splenectomy or whatever. <laughs> like not his, not his sister yeah. or his mom. <laughs> Yeah, the guy who stopped eating because he wasn't like this should drive him wild, right? Shouldn't he be like really angry with Jerry? Yeah, but by the way, this is like a sign that Roy is a really good guy. Yeah, like, if you nice could guy. just put up with this, then this this guy's a keeper. Yeah. By the way, on the subject of the interabdominal retractors, Akiva, did you see that we got an email this week from one of our listeners, Thomas, who is a doctor and is willing to be our Seinfeld medical correspondent. Oh boy. I mean, are we just accepting him or are we, are we taking applications? <laughs> I think we should be very happy to take what we can get. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll take, we'll take, <laughs> and listen, he, he could also tell us like what his specialty is. Maybe we'll find like a nephrologist, the cardiologist, like we'll have different specialties, but he can be our overall guy, Thomas. Yes. We also, I think we, you know, we'll, we'll get up to an email section, but I think we got a good, you know, medical explanation of this whole episode from uh, Chester's doctor wife. Oh, okay. Great. Perfect. Uh, also uh dr thomas he also let us know from last week in his email to let us know that he is willing to be our medical correspondent for any medical issues that come up through the rest of seinfeld that he would say he would refer to the breast implants uh as plural he would always say a breast implants but you would say a breast implant surgery that we did right. have our okay. medical So when you're talking about the surgery, it's singular. Right. Because the episode was called The Implant, and we talked about that typically isn't that plural. Yeah, but uh, he, he's from Australia. Isn't there like a different language or something? No. I okay. think it's good. We have a lot okay. of listeners in Australia. Uh, who knew? Yes. Who knew? We need, we need to focus more in America. <laughs> no. We're, we're, we're doing we need, great elsewhere. We, no. We need to focus on all of Earth. <laughs> That's right. I'm saying, no, I don't mean like get away from Australia. I just mean we need to be more popular in America. All right, so we see George back at the apartment, and he is crying over Home Alone. And Jerry walks in and just starts chastising him about crying over Home Alone. What scene do you think this is? He says the grandfather. Well, I don't he says even the remember. Old man got to me, and hopefully this isn't too much of a Home Alone spoiler. But his brother, Kevin McAllister's brother, Buzz, they tell him like, "Oh, that's old man." I forget the character's name. And he's like, oh, he's the sidewalk or the shovel murderer. I forget what his, what they. Oh, but he ends up being the hero at the end, right? He pops the guy in the head with the shovel. And he befriends him and he like talks to him. And it turns out that the old guy doesn't get to see his family anymore. And it's Christmas. And so (laughs) that really got to George. Yeah, I don't remember my kids' middle names, but this scene is really coming back to me. Yes, and maybe because George's father took Christmas away, made them celebrate Festivus. Maybe that's why this is so, it really It really home. strikes close to home. In his mind, he was left home alone for Christmas. Yeah. Also, probably he actually was left home alone, I'm sure, many times for Christmas. All right. So, we start to find out about how Roy the Artist, it would really cheer him up if... Jerry would buy some of his art. Now, this is kind of silly, right? Like, this is like, if I like email, if you like emailed your boss, like, uh, it would really cheer me up if I got a huge raise, like my cancer would go away. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and there's some talk about how is this a Clara Nightingale syndrome? And they talk about whether or not George would like Susan B. Anthony. What were they trying to say with that? Oh, I have no idea. I figured <laughs> I would. Ho- I was hoping you would know, but do you know Clara Nightingale, Florence Nightingale, Clara Barton? Yeah, I, you know I've heard of them, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it takes away from it if I cheat in Google. Yeah, but the fact that George wouldn't get along with Susan B. Anthony seems to imply that George would be some sort of a misogynist who wouldn't want women to vote. You think that's what it was? Clara Barton, yeah, and that's where I've heard of her. She was like the first nurse, or she, she started the Red Cross, American Red Cross. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about Clara Nightingale. I don't think she did anything. Yeah, because Elaine's really falling for this guy who is a patient. But yeah, the Susan B. Anthony thing was wonky. But it turns into Jerry is asked to buy the art. But George, he has that $1,900. He is thinking about buying the art because if Roy doesn't make it, that art is going to be worth a lot more money. By the way, it doesn't like it's, it's not just like you need to like an artist dies and all of a sudden their stuff's worth money. Like they also had to be a demand for it when they were alive a little bit. Right. 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 Like yeah. you can't just like have an old person like scribble scrabble something and then they drop dead in like a nursing home and then you could sell their stuff for a million dollars. Yes. Now, another thing, Akiva, if we were in this writer's room and we were talking about Roy's art, the triangles. Didn't we already do this story back in the letter when Jerry is dating the artist who's painting the picture of Kramer and George comes up to her loft and looks at the picture and then he has to end up buying it for $500. Yeah. It's really weird. This is like the fifth time this season that they repeat a storyline. And especially like we mentioned this last week, but when you get to the end of the episode, and she walks out because she's mad at Jerry. You know, that's like the fifth time this season we've had that, right? <laughs> We're like, Jerry does something horrible. And the girlfriend who he's like about to get with leaves in the exact same like moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're really, even though these episodes are all great, like they're really like beating the same few points over the head. They did need, uh, you know, what Bill Simmons would call like a vice president of common sense in the room. <laughs> but I mean, am I misremembering any of this in terms of the, it was George who also had to buy the painting. George got stuck with the art. I, I want to say, was it also triangles? I don't remember th- what type of art it was. I know she was, she did portraits, right? Cause she did Kramer's face. I yeah, don't know. She had some sort of abstract thing that. George yeah, that's had. true. That's true. But yeah, it is way too similar. So what should his, uh, like without changing the story too much, what should his profession be? Hmm. Roy's profession. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. What would you buy from him? Because it looks like he's gonna he's gonna die. That's gonna go up in value. I don't know. Could be a sculptor. I mean, just so it's not another painting. Okay, so we just need it to be a slight difference from from the last one. Yeah, I don't okay. think we're gonna change too much. Where? Yeah, he's like a sculptor, but he's like the worst sculptor in the world. <laughs> yeah. How about this? What about he's the screenwriter for Home Alone three, and then <laughs> George was so moved by Home Alone. That he wants to buy the rights to the next Home Alone because the guy's going to die. Oh, to like a fan fiction Home Alone, though? <laughs> and he spends $1,900? That's actually not bad. And that ties it together. And we've, <laughs> Does that go up in value? The, the last fan fiction? script ever written by the Home Alone <laughs> screenwriter. You get an autograph by Roy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So George is now going to buy the art. 
So we see Jerry and <laughs> Mulva on the couch. And he talks about how, you know, people used to make fun of his name. Uh, Jerry, Jerry, Dingleberry, sign, smell. And does anybody ever make fun of Mulva's name? Uh, yeah, and this is where he gets his one clue. Because before this, he had no idea at all what the name could be. Yes. And it turns out it rhymes with a part of the woman's anatomy. Now, boy, these kids that are rhyming Dolores, these are very sophisticated kids. Yeah, I mean, right. My my name is Wienerker, so like they didn't have to look in any science books to figure out that my name, you know, is you know is is also like could be mistaken for anatomy name. <laughs> but her friends clearly were more advanced than mine. I mean, wow, these kids, and this is in a pre-internet age. These kids are very advanced. In the women's body parts that they know. Yeah, right. I mean, it's right. Especially like what they end up picking for her actual name. Yes. <laughs> I, I think maybe it was high school and not elementary school that she got teased. Is that possible? I mean, that seems very juvenile for high school kids. Yeah, but I don't know. You, you never got teased in high school. People do teasing. I guess so. But doesn't that seem like a bit of a stretch? Like what would be the context that they are making fun of Dolores and rhyming her name. I don't know. Like you're a senior. She's a freshman. Unless Dolores was a very popular girl in her high school. Yeah. I mean, who knows what her nickname was, Rob? Like we don't know. <laughs> you girls have a funny last name. We don't even know. Yeah. Unless there was, she was real. She really was, had a reputation at that school. I can't imagine why. I mean, Dolores is not that uncommon of a name. Right. No, definitely not. I mean, it's a little like outdated maybe now, but not even then. Right. Right. So these are some <laughs> very mean and educated kids. Yeah. I, I, but I said we don't know her last name, but I guess there's a 50% chance that it's Puglia, right? Because that's her, that's her uncle's name. <laughs> so if it's her father's brother, <laughs> although maybe less than 50 because your uncle is also through marriage. So yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Dolores Puglia. I don't know if that if that helps it or hurts it. <laughs> so George and Jerry are in Monks, and they're talking about how the name rhymes with a part of a woman's anatomy. They're going through breast and breast Celeste. <laughs> I mean, they're just saying things that aren't even names, right? But, right, Kest, Hest. Kest. They're not names. <laughs> yeah. The problem is for Jerry, he can't ask her her name if they've already made out. I think like, so, okay, so this is like kind of not, not a fool in the episode because it's funny, but like it's frustrating as a viewer. Like, of course he could, I don't, he couldn't ask the name, but there's a thousand ways where he could get her name out of her, right? Yes. Would this be easier or harder in 2015? I mean, equipped with the information he has, like you, it's not like it's a mutual friend and, and you're Facebooking her because you don't know her last name. Uh, you don't know if he doesn't know anything about her other than, you know, he met her in the produce aisle. If you don't know any of her friends names, I don't know how much easier it would be. But at the end of the day, like there's so many different ways you could, you know, he could, uh, you know, you could pay, you know, literally pay someone to like walk over and say, you know, like he tries at the end with Kramer and George, like right. ask her her name. Here's the move I think you could do in 2015. You hand her your iPhone 
and say, oh, could you put your information in my iPhone? Yeah, but then she writes like schmoopy in it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess if you have her number, there's like a chance that you could, you know, you could get her number. But I guess, no, I'm going to take it back. It would be much easier now because we know we know where he, he knows where she lives. Because in the deleted scene, we're assuming deleted scene is canon, yeah. which is maybe the most deleted scene we've, like, most properly deleted scene we've had. Did you see this? Yeah. It makes I no did. sense. He rings, like, a bunch of door, of, you know, buzzers in her building, and then he doesn't get her, but then somebody thinks it's Jerry, and then it, it doesn't even make sense. I can't even explain it. Yeah. But the point is, like, if you know where she lives... You know, that that helps if you know her phone number. Like, these are all things you could Google and get at her. It's easier. It's much easier in 2015 because it's like, hey, you know, let's take a selfie. Like, oh, I want to email it to you. What's your email address? Right. What's your Nookums 22? Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, let me get you on airdrop and then I can see her for her phone. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, you've just Facebook friend me. She's not on Facebook. But yeah, there's like a thousand opportunities. Yes. All right. So George is throwing out names. Aretha. That's a good one. Bovary. Bovary. No. <laughs> All right. So they're going to decide to, Jerry's going to go through her purse when he gets a chance, looks up for her driver's license. So Kramer comes in. He doesn't have a date for the surgery now. Oh, I, you know, I weird because in the hospital. Yeah, we skipped over that uh, who wants to see the operation. But. They asked Kramer if he wants to come see the operation after we started talking about interabdominal retractors. Which is weird, because in the hospital, he already invited Jerry, but now he's back to, you know, he found a date, and shockingly, the date did not want to watch someone be cut apart. Yeah. There's also a funny line where George is talking about, like, what are you going to see? He's just going to go in there and take out, and Kramer's like, oh, no, no, don't tell me. (laughs) Don't spoil it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. right. They are making it seem like the same way he's eating like movie food. The whole thing, they're making it seem like it's, you know, the, the equivalent of like George watching Home, Home Alone. Like it's a movie. Right. You know, I feel bad that we skipped over that part where they found out about going to the surgery because it was funny because Kramer was talking about like, uh, don't you want to see when they're going to cut him open and this guy's insides are going to be everywhere? <laughs> yeah. And he's doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, then they're going to get the bone saw. Don't you want to see the inside of his bones? <laughs> I think about Elaine should have married Roy why what a what a gentleman yeah like i like most people would lose their mind at this he's he's so calm like you want someone who's even keeled yeah you know he's a gentle uh, giant the thing is that you're seeing him when he's in his best shape well you think when he's fat he's mean no i just think he's probably well disposition probably a jolly guy and then you know he's lost a lot of weight so he's got like this he still has this really great personality but now Oh, now that he's good looking, he, he he could like start treating people worse. A lot of times, that's why I have such a good personality, because oh. <laughs> when you're unattractive, you have to develop a personality. You can't just get by on your looks. So, oh, man, you know, I wish I had one of the two. <laughs> so that's why you have Roy. He has this great personality. He's the nicest guy ever. But that's why he had to develop that because, you know, people probably shunned him. And now I'm sad we never see Roy again. He's he's great. He's growing yeah. on me. Yeah. All right. So they're talking about going to go see it. Fine. Jerry is going to go. <laughs> and uh, this is when George blurts out Mulva. We're a good guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> is Malva actually a name? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, are there zero Malvas? I'm not sure. Like, do you think it's probably more likely that after this episode, there would be a Malva, right? Yeah. That's a good name for a girl. Right. It, I mean, yeah, I, I can't find it on like the name, the name thing. I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's the first five pages on Google here are all Seinfeld. So yeah. I'm not so sure Malva's a real name. <laughs> all right. So there's a moment at the end of this scene in the coffee shop where Jerry's like, fine, I'll go. And he says, fine, let's go see them slice this fat bastard up <laughs> as he's like eating and drinking coffee. Jerry makes a big deal about this in the inside look. Yeah, he says that, uh, you know, it really showed the fact that he could get away with putting this in and having, uh, you know, one of the main characters be so detestable. Yeah. Here is, uh, you know, it shows like, oh, we can really get away with anything. Yeah. And. I think that people liked it, though. People liked that because they felt like the main character is, you know, one of their friends. Totally. I do. Th- well, hopefully, like, you don't have too many friends that are, you know, rooting for people to die. So your art gets, you know, $2,000 back. <laughs> In fairness, Jerry was not rooting for Roy to die. Right. I think I think that um, this episode, more than any other so far, like the gang is just awful. Yeah. Like, there's nothing redeeming. Like, Elaine... The second he gets fat again, she's out on him. George literally wants the guy. Oh, he doesn't not even only get to fat. die. He's just eating a big plate of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but the implication is like he's getting he's back on the fat train again. Yes. The, George George not only like it's one thing to want someone to die. George is actually trying to contribute to his death yeah. by stopping Jerry from telling the doctor about something in his body. That's fair. <laughs> This Kramer's might be okay. the worst behavior yet that we've seen. Out of I mean, the this really form. like again, like we have to think about every episode as if we're the prosecutor in the uh, in in the finale case. Mm-hmm. This is really up there. <laughs> <laughs> if you had video of George trying to stop Jerry from uh, making the call, yeah. All right, so we see Jerry and Kramer at the surgery. By the way, is this? Is there anything like this when people are having surgery? Is this completely I, fiction? I do think it ha- like it's not. It, there definitely is uh, surgeries where there are surgeries where people can see it. I, I would assume it's mostly medical students, but I have a friend who's now a doctor who, when he was a kid, and our, uh, another friend of ours is a back surgeon, and so he was like in the room with other people watching okay. in some sort of watching area. So it's definitely not completely made up. Um, I, I don't know. Would you ever like watch a surgery? No, it would not be interesting. You would have not only not interesting, like you'd have to pay me so much money. How much money? I don't know. I like, I can't even think of it. I, I, I wouldn't look like I would have to look down the whole time. I, I would be too squeamish. Like I don't even like to watch, you know, like when ER was on, I would like, yeah, like Grey's away. Anatomy is like, yeah, that's uh, too much for me. I look away. Yeah. My, but my, it's, what's interesting is my friend who's uh who's now an orthopedic surgeon. Also, he walked away from that saying like, I will sooner die before I have any minor surgery. He was so he was so frightened by it. Oh my god! I mean, he's now a surgeon, so I guess he got over it. But over. It, it, like, it's you know, it, I guess it's uh, it's you know, pretty gross if you're if you're squeamish. Okay, so Kramer is trying to push the junior mint on to Jerry. Jerry doesn't want it. Kramer says, "Come on, you have to have it. It's very refreshing." Yeah, it's the not refreshing. Wrong. No, I, I mean, I, I'll take your word. I've never had one, but uh, yeah. So wait, it's just a mint. It's a small mint with chocolate on the outside. Yeah, but it's not like a hard mint. You can't, you know, you don't chew it. It's very chewy. 
Very soft. Mint is mint is really like my least favorite flavor. Mm. I actually greatly prefer a York peppermint patty to Junior Mints. I feel like to eat a box of Junior Mints, I feel like I would feel sick after. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to be full on mint. What about raisinette? Would you be full on raisinette? That's fine. That's fine. Raisinets. I, I I could see myself eating a box of raisinets. Like, you know, I, the raisinets get get old pretty quickly. Also, to be fair. Yeah, I would actually prefer a goober to a raisinette, or even a dark cocoa covered almond. That's even that's even uh, now you're really talking. But in terms of just a box of Junior Mints, like a couple, you get it. It's like okay, this is chocolate. It's mint. It's nice. It's refreshing. That's why I actually prefer on that York peppermint patty. Do you ever have? Oh, I know you don't have. But like when you go to like a convenience store, they have like the box and it's like 10 cents or whatever for just like one or a quarter for one of those like little one, the fun size ones. That's perfect. Yeah. That's all you need. A box and you'll still you- nowadays like go and get one. No, I, I wouldn't. Get, I, I wouldn't get one. But if I was going to eat one thing, that would be good. I used to work in a card store when I was like in high school and that would be good. I'm like, oh, OK, let me have one of those. Do you have to pay for them? <laughs> You're supposed to. You are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I worked in the store. I couldn't go anywhere. Wait, but you, they didn't give you free stuff? They didn't say, hey, eat all the candy that you want. What about cards? You get like one free card a week? <laughs> like a, It was like a Hallmark card, not like a baseball card. No, I understand. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's like my never, grandma's birthday. Can I you think get there might have been an employee discount, but I, I think that it was okay. If you, if you wanted to have a piece of candy once in a while, I think that was all right. That's what you're assuming. You didn't, and it doesn't sound like you asked. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did have a York peppermint patty every now and then. I won't tell. Okay. All right. So Kramer is pushing this junior mint on Jerry. Jerry pushes Kramer's hand out of the way and the mint goes flying and a lot in the inside look on how they got the shot of the junior mint. Yeah. Which of course we said is, is the uh, a peppermint patty. Yes. <laughs> and it goes flying and it goes right in. Jerry and George in the next scene describe how it ricocheted off something. Did you feel like it ricocheted in the actual shot? I mean, you know, we lose track of it once it goes over the ledge, right? But we kind of hear like a plunk right away. Yeah. So if it ricocheted, it was very quick, right? Yes. Now, do you like, you know, we've discussed this a few times already, showing versus telling. So the famous examples of, you know, in the in the fire and and, uh, Kramer tells the story about driving the bus and he still makes the stops, even though a guy is robbing, you know, the, the, he's got the mugger and, and the Marine biologist story, like the Mickey Mantle story showing versus telling, like, do you think the junior mint thing should have been shown or it works as uh, it, does it work as being shown or should it just be the, here where he's repeating what happened? It was perfect. It was the best of both worlds. It was chocolate and peppermint. It was, you saw the thing go up in the air, but you didn't see it land in the incision. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. I agree. It was perfect. We did not need to see the candy fall into the open, bloody incision. No, well, I don't think we should. I don't think anyone would argue that, that there should be more there. Yet. But how did nobody see this? It's crazy. Like, there's six people in a tiny space. Right. And this is such a sitcom thing where nobody pays any attention to them. Nobody budges. They even look back. Yeah. Nobody makes eye contact. Even if, like, the other medical students who were watching the operation, they didn't see it either? Nobody saw it. Eight people in the surgery, nobody saw. I mean, I guess 
you're not like expecting to see a candy fly into the body. Okay, that so being I'll said, give all the doctors and nurses a pass. Okay, but that yeah. being said, they didn't see the candy fall in as they're working in the incision. They didn't. They don't see a junior mint. I mean, it's not a tic tac. Right. How much is going on inside the body that you like don't notice a junior mint? I mean, <laughs> are there are a lot of things that look like junior mints inside you that like would be easily. Confused? I should hope not. I hope not either. I would also like to know, and I don't think we have any answers to this. Like, is that actually medically like a junior mint falling into you? Is that dangerous? Mm. It's a good question. It's a good question. What would happen? Well, the body's like a wacky place. I don't just like fall down. I don't know. Like where does it just stay there? Yeah, does it just get absorbed into the bloodstream? I don't really understand how. Yeah, anything we say here is medically probably not going to hold up. Yeah. Okay, so we'll find out. <laughs> That's our first question for uh, Dr. Thomas. Yes, please ask. If you don't know, ask, you know, ask. I think he said, he's a, is he a medical student or an actual doctor? Okay. Because he should <laughs> ask his teacher, I think. Yes, uh, he says, I'm not a doctor yet, but with just over one year left on my medical course, I'm happy to be your medical correspondent. Okay, so future yeah. Dr. Thomas. Yeah, so I do. I want him to ask his professor, or, or you know, whoever his whatever the the language in Australia is for. Uh, I want I want to find out if, what would happen if uh, Junior Mint or or a similar candy falls into your body. All right, Jerry and George are talking about what happened. It fell into the hole, and nobody noticed. And I do like Jerry's line about and nobody noticed. He's like, it is a Junior Mint. Yeah, it's a great line. <laughs> So they left the junior mint in him. All right, it's Elaine. Don't tell Elaine what happened. Yeah, she'll be mad. Usually people, like, when they find out their boyfriend had, like, random things thrown into his body during surgery, they get upset. Okay. Kramer comes in about the junior mint. And even Jerry has to agree that the junior mint is a very refreshing candy. Yeah, I don't love this whole, like, oh, it's very refreshing. Then they give it to the doctor a few scenes from now. And he (laughs) says it's very refreshing, which is not something a human being would ever say. Why are you so down on it? It's very refreshing. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's great when the show ties together, but not when it's like alien speaking like, you know, people would never speak. I didn't hear you complaining when we talked about, I want to rub my bald head in oil and rub I complained your about that. I said, that's not a thing. And nobody says that. <laughs> I, have, I have no issue with the junior mint being very refreshing. All right. We'll bring it up with Jerry. <laughs> so you'll, you'll you'll pitch your side i'll pitch mine and we'll ask him what he thinks we yes. agree yes all right so elaine comes up prognosis negative now is this a callback to the movie prognosis negative yeah it's a great callback here okay are you sure it's a callback uh i'm sure that now it's a callback i'm not sure knowing what we know about them repeating plot lines and not realizing that they've done stuff it yes. is possible that they didn't realize that it was a fake movie, but I, I think they do realize. Okay. So prognosis negative. He is not doing well. And the doctors are baffled. So you think this is the junior mint? Mm. So this really flies in the face of what the doctor tells us later in the episode about how the doctor says that during the surgery, that there was some sort of infection and there was some miracle from above that staved off the infection that was entering the body here. They make it sound like, oh, things are dire. Things are looking bad. He's going downhill. It's almost like the surgery was fine. They can't figure out what was wrong. Yeah, and he was like, I mean, what was wrong with him that his spleen was getting taken out? We also don't have that piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm saying, like, was he in really bad shape? 
beforehand or like did the surgery go awry? And and again, right, like it doesn't make sense that something great happens according to the doctor during the surgery and then he's in really bad shape after the surgery but gets better. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a doctor just covering up in case there's some sort Malpractice. of insurance. <laughs> yeah, he wants to make it seem like it was the surgery that did yeah. the trick. Roy is litigious. <laughs> All right. So no, Jerry, Roy, don't, don't insult Roy like that. Come on. He's a good guy. He wouldn't insult. Jerry and Kramer are fighting over if they're going to say something to Elaine. He's going to tell. They could be tried for murder. Yes. And so Kramer is saying, do not squeal. Uh, snitches get stitches, I heard. <laughs> yes. And sometimes those stitches end up with a junior mint inside them. Oh, boy. Okay. George says, put me down for some of that art. now that he knows that Roy is not doing well he wants to get it on some of that triangle art ever the opportunist I know somebody you know the BP oil spill yes so I know somebody who bought like a ton of BP stock that day and did I think they did well on it okay I think it's gone up a lot since they bought the stock the day of the oil spill yeah or like the day after two days after something like you know like when it's at its lowest so it's similar to I mean, there you're just an, uh, you know, not an active participant because you're not like making the decisions. You're not deciding if BP lives or dies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a little bit like what George is doing here. Yeah. So George, you know, wants to be put me down for $1,900 worth of those triangle arts. Like, is it like a deli where you could just say like, <laughs> oh, can I get $1,900 of the triangle art? Yeah. To be fair, unless he's some great artist. Everything he's made, you can probably get for $1,900 at this point, no? Well, it saves his life. (laughs) And also... What? $1,900? I have a reason to live. (laughs) If I went to your art gallery and I saw, you know, Roy, like Roy's art gallery, I see his prices. I'm sure I could get many things for $1,900. But if you just say, like, give me $1,900 worth, you're getting like four things. Mm. You know what I mean? Because he's just going to be like, okay, this, 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 and that. And that's it. All right. So... Jerry is getting a massage and she says, oh, you're so tense. What's going on? It's like, oh, nothing. Just a homicide on my hands. And so he says to her as she's massaging him, that's terrific, Mulva, which is funny. And he says they have an aunt Mulva. It's a good save by Jerry. Yeah, it's fine. But later on in the episode, he's going to try Mulva again. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's very clearly her name is not Mulva. Cross that yeah, one off the list. There was about 20 names, you know, try Bovary next time. <laughs> try, you know, try Aretha. Don't try Mulva Celeste. again. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> she goes into the bathroom. Jerry goes through her purse and says, oh, do you have any mints and, or any gum? And she has junior mints. It, by the way, very compassionate of her to, you know, on what is a very early date in their relationship not be freaked out by the guy going through her purse, right? Right, right. Okay. So Kramer comes in and Jerry tells him, hey, I don't know this woman's name. Can you find out her name? And Kramer introduces himself and she says, nice to meet you. And then he leaves. Yeah, Kramer's not not the man for this mission. (laughs) All right, George comes in and then he introduces himself. And then she says, nice to meet you. And then she leaves and he says, uh, hey, gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah, George also. Really poor effort by George. <laughs> All right. So George has his triangle art and he's ready to go. 
Jerry can't get over this. He needs to call up the hospital and tell them what's going on. I like that Jerry is the voice of reason, the conscience here. Yes. George says to Jerry, who are you to play God? <laughs> yeah, let, let, that, I mean, he's like, uh, you know, don't go to doctors. Let nature take its course. Yes. Yeah. It's very funny. So, <laughs> so Jerry calls up the hospital. It turns out he's made a miraculous recovery and George is besides himself. Where is the luck? There's no luck in this world. Yeah. How, how the nerve of this guy to not die. Yeah. And it turns out that George buying his art inspired him to get better. Who knew? That's what you need. So, uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, the same thing. It's like everyone should just go to their boss or go to somebody like, you need to buy my uh, Amway or else I'm going to, you know, something bad is going to happen. really not doing well. It would really, <laughs> it would really cheer me up. By the way, there is some multi-level marketing scheme out there that like saw this episode. I was like, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right. You like use, use the fear of, you know, health into scaring people to buy your stuff. So we go to the hospital at the end of the episode and Roy is very excited to see George. There's the guy who saved my life. Roy's looking a little chunky again. Mm. Do you think he's looking heavy or he's just eating all that spaghetti? Yeah, I guess it lo- anybody would look fat, like eating a huge messy plate of spaghetti. Yeah, he's eating the spaghetti like George was in that episode where was it the fix up? Where he's trying to, where he's like trying to get broken up with? No, I just think that's how he eats. Oh, you when she sees, oh, I hear what you're saying. Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Messy eater. They eat spaghetti the same way. And so everybody's very excited. The doctor comes in and he talks about how something happened during the operation that staved off that infection. Something from above. And he looks up. Yeah, this doctor, uh, you know. He, uh, I don't know. I want my doctors worrying about medicine, not uh, falling junior mints. So in some way, the junior mint saved Roy. See, are we, are we led to believe that the, the junior mint is what saves him? Because I, the doctor's wrong. Like, hmm. I don't know. Maybe the art saved him. We're not sure. Well, no. The doctor disputes the fact the art saved him. The doctor is like, well, I, I don't want to play down the emotional impact that that had but i think something i can't explain it something miraculous happened to say that that infection something from above and he looks up so i think that it is he's saying that it had to have been the junior mint that's amazing you know this is the same doctor we see him a few more times including i believe he's the one who tells the gang that susan died yeah looks very familiar all right Roy is on the mend. He wants to know from Elaine, hey, when are we going out to that dinner? As he's shoving spaghetti down his face. Look how vain Elaine is. A guy, you know, is broken up for her, gets better, not even one date. Yeah. Because he's going to get fat again. Because then Elaine says to Jerry, hey, aren't we going to the Poconos? Because that's what Jerry was saying earlier in the episode. And she was shooting him down. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure we're not. She's like, please, can we go to the Poconos? I love how they don't have each other's back. Like, you know, these, it just makes them so much worse as people. Okay. We're going to go back to Jerry's apartment one last time with Mulva. And so somehow Mulva got tickets to go backstage at a Olympia Dukakis play. Yeah. Olympia Dukakis autographed the playbill. Jerry's going to look at the autograph as Mulva is saying, Jerry, I think I'm really falling for you. Yeah. And she, and then she's like hugging him and, and, He's looking at the playbill behind her back. And he says, I think I'm really falling for you too, Joseph Puglia. 
<laughs> yeah. Just say nothing. I'm falling for you too. End of sentence. She doesn't know. Yeah. Well, he's so excited about the the playbill. It's almost like Joseph Puglia. The name should have been like Terry. And I'm, I'm so if it's a, girl, a woman's too, name and it's for her aunt. Right. Or mm-hmm. it was a, a man or a woman's name. She's like, actually, Terry is my uncle. Yeah, that's actually pretty funny. But it's a little more, the joke is a little vaguer then. But it is, it is funny. Yes. All right. <laughs> so she says, what is my name? And Jerry says, well, it rhymes with a female body part. And she's like, well, uh, what is it? And Gipple. he goes back to Mulva. He says Mulva again, which makes no sense. And then he goes for Gipple. Well, the Mulva thing is just baffling to me that he could say Mulva again. This is like this. You're on the family feud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, is this the uh, Sunni Oswego version of the family feud? <laughs> yes. Or the real one? <laughs> yes. You know, 100 people surveyed top three answers on the board. Name a woman's name that rhymes with a female body part. Like, <laughs> Mulva. Like, all right, let's see if it's there. Show me Mulva. All right. Strike one. All right, Jerry. Need a female name <laughs> that rhymes with a part of the woman's body. I don't even think they'll let you say the name a second time there, like, right? Uh, He'll say, like, it was said again. Mm, in, in the final round, fast like, money, you, you got the, eh, the, eh. Yeah, you get the quick, eh, eh. But I think if you say it again, like, uh, oh, that's already been said. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> Steve Harvey would be besides himself. Yeah. And he does that thing where, like, he looks incredulously for, like, an hour. He's really good at it. Yeah, you like him. I do think you would be very good at that job, the family feud thing. <laughs> oh. And you would act very funny for the inappropriate comments. Well, Steve Harvey, he really has that job on lockdown. That's the whole job of when somebody says something inappropriate or dumb, just like, looking deadpan at the camera that's really the have you job. been watching the celebrity family feud i think i've been recording them i haven't watched them yet yeah i haven't seen him but you know in in general like i've seen his reactions and they're always pretty good yeah he's fine he's fine worse you was... so you're not a fan of the steve harvey i know he's fine i i, I am well, so now the tenor of your fine the cadence of your no, voice just... go back and check the tape i said he was fine <laughs> the whole time. I, th- I do think that you would be excellent at that job oh, at well thank you very much uh the worst was al borland for our second or third uh, tool time uh, home improvement reference in this podcast. Yeah. And the second worst, I think, was actually Jay Peterman. Yeah, Peterman, the problem is he's not a comedian at all. I don't think Al Borland is necessarily a comedian. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing about, uh, about uh, Peterman, it, like, he's, he, like he also, he didn't have like the, ooh, you said something dirty thing, like he didn't care. Yeah. He was very indifferent to the whole process. Yeah. Al Borland was very into it, but wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. Yeah. He was just shepherding the game along. He was he was like an Alex Trebek mm. of Family Feud. Okay. All right. So she leaves. <laughs> He's going back to more names. Uh, so he Gipple. And then finally, he yells out the window. He's got it. He goes back, Dolores! Dolores! Now, is this canon? Is the woman's name Dolores? So in the credits, her name is uh, Unknown Woman or whatever. So I've always wondered about this. And I have to say the answer is yes. We're led to believe that he is remembering it. Okay. It's not just because otherwise it's like just another funny name he's yelling out. I do think it. it, And and, uh, the the, uh, Glenn Padnick is the executive in the inside look who says that it was originally Cloris. And then they said, you know, I guess it wasn't working. 
And you even see him uh, in the inside look. You hear, you see Jerry yelling out Cloris uh, in a few takes of the scene, right? Yeah, like Cloris uh, Beachman. Yeah, and then they they asked the audience what they thought the real name was, and one audience member said Dolores. Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to her, they used it. Yes. Uh, but uh, there must have been a delight that, you know, week in the what writer's room really just trying to figure out names that would work. Yeah. I actually watched this week when, talk about feeling like you're doing something to watch TV. So my mom was visiting last week and it was just like, I'm watching like TV at 10 o'clock at night, which I would never be doing if somebody wasn't visiting. So we, and we watched Celebrity Wife Swap and they swapped <laughs> Cloris Leachman, <laughs> who do you know who that is? Yeah, the Golden Girl. Uh, she was never a Golden Girl, but she is a woman. Oh, was she on Mary Tyler Moore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Cloris Leachman. Phyllis was she? Phyllis? I'm not sure her character name. She's really old. No, she's really old. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. And so is this celebrity grandma swap? No, she's just and she's not married. It's wife swap. She's just oh. like she's just old and not married. Okay. And they switched her with Pia Zadora. Do you know who that is? I've heard of her. Yeah. She's like a younger actress. She's not that young. But oh, she's not. Okay. <laughs> she was a young actress in the 80s. Oh, well, I'm mixing her up with somebody then. Okay, but, fine. So they, so they switched her, but she's actually married. And they just switched them at their houses. But yeah, it was very... It was, Are there any kids involved here? Uh, I think that Cloris, uh, Cloris Leachman has a, at least a daughter who seemingly is Leachmaning off her. And then, oh, but yeah, but she's not... She's not like a kid, though. Yeah, she has like kids in her in her forties, a daughter in her forties. And and how did it go? Did uh, did they did they ever switch <laughs> back? Well. Did they, they didn't go. It didn't go well. You know the famous story of the two Yankees that switched wives, right? No. Oh, you don't know the story? No. Who it's was a it? crazy Derek story? And Mariana Rivera. Music every couple of years. No, two Yankees in the seventies actually switched wives forever. Forever, they traded. They like they were two couples. That I think I off the I, off the top of my head it was Fritz Peterson and Mike Kekic, and uh, maybe I'm mixing up their first. No, yeah, Fritz Peterson and Mike Kekic, and they switched. A-Rod wives. wasn't involved in this story. Arod was not involved in the wife switch. Um, they they switched wives and they were very close as couples, and I guess they made a joke a bunch of times, and they said, "Okay, let's try it." And they had children, at least one of them had kids, and they switched. And one of the couples is still married forty years later. That switched. Oh, wow. Uh, the other one only stayed for a few years, and he doesn't like to talk about it. Uh, every, every couple of years, you'll see something on ESPN. or There's never been like a really killer documentary about we it. We should make it. You, let's Rob, let's, I, I'm in. I'll, I'll, uh, we, we'll, you know, I mean, I guess we, this could even go ahead of the Back to the Future Kickstarter. I'm not yeah. even joking. I, okay. Unfortunately, I think somebody is, has been making the documentary for years. Well, it's time to put up or shut up. If we beat them to market. I agree. I agree. Sometimes with documentaries, you hear about them, and then like eight years later, it's, it's like, what's going on? And how do these documentaries, like how, there's no money in 90, unless it's like Michael Moore, yeah. you know, that's actually going to theaters. There's no money in them. How do you just like have eight years of like a boom guy and a sound guy and a, and a, and a camera person, like three or four people yeah. going every day? I'd like, to, if someone could explain, if we had like a documentary expert here, like to go with our medical expert, I would like to understand how this works fiscally. Yeah. And this story has everything. It has sports. It's salacious. Something yeah, for everybody Unfortunately, here. I think one of the, you got to get it soon because I think at least, the, you know, they're pretty old. One of them, I'm not, the, the guy who's no longer married isn't doing great. And uh, un, un, not shockingly, he doesn't like to talk about it. The one who's happily married with the five kids, uh, 
you know, likes to talk about it. Okay. All right. So we'll work on you that. You should look up to the story. It happens to be amazing. It's a, it's an incredible, you know, it's one of these like, oh, it's not true. And then you research, you're like, oh my gosh, it's, it actually happened. Yeah. Okay. All Imagine right, like first take tomorrow. If, if like, if, you know, two guys like switched wives nowadays, Twitter <laughs> would really explode. <laughs> wow. We'll skip Bayless. Well, yeah. Well, too bad A-Rod's not married anymore. Yeah. I mean, Right. Now it's like, I mean, I'm a Spurs fan. I think Tony Parker, uh, I'll say allegedly, uh, broke up the marriage of another teammate who's now an ESPN announcer. Yeah. But like there wasn't a, a two-way thing going on there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this would be... This the would... other teammate was not getting with Eva Longoria. She just uh, <laughs> ditched him after that. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll talk more about this offline. Okay. All right. Closing stand-up is talking about how... Uh, when you're a kid, candy is everything. Uh, yeah, it is, it's 100% true. I, are you at the stage where you can recognize this with your kids? No. Like, will no. You, would, no, he wouldn't like throw you out the window for like one more. Because you know, we have not let him have it. Uh, oh, you're in LA. A lot of, he God. has not eaten a lot of candy. I mean, he's only a year and a half. He doesn't eat that much it's candy. Really. Chips. Uh, <laughs> chips. He really would. Uh, my my six-year-old would, you know, send me to the moon. To have like one more ice cream bar or something. Yeah. Like it is still a thing. It's very hard nowadays. You'll see this as your kids get older to impress kids. You know, like when we were kids, like your dad would bring home like a board game or something and you'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, we're like knock hockey, right? That could like keep you busy for six months. No. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kids nowadays is like you, you know, like I'll, I'll, we got my daughter a tablet and I, she probably does not know where it is, you know, three weeks later. Yeah. It, it, they're always on to the next thing. I know I sound like a grandpa here, but it's like, it's, it's much harder, but candy stands the test of time. You give them candy. And, uh, so this, I'd say this stand up holds up by the way. Um, seems like it was Ben Affleck and Matt Damon who were the people behind working on this movie about, the uh, no, that's the swap. movie, not a documentary. Oh, Okay, so there's so yeah, but Ben that Affleck. Was a fictional movie. Ben Affleck is like uh, he he's way too busy with Batman stuff to be worried about yeah, this. A guy like Ben Affleck probably has you know money in like eight projects that they're never actually going to make at a time. Yeah, and if the worse comes is they to worse, own the right. if worse comes to worse, we'll just change enough stuff around. Oh, these were two guys on the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yeah, that's it. In the eighties, <laughs> Andy Van Slyke and Can we switch it to football. Doug Drabeck, yeah. Problem with football, you know, the, Hollywood doesn't like football because it doesn't sell overseas. Nobody knows it. Hmm. What if we make a basketball? We'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. Okay. All right. Akiva, where does the junior mint rank for you? Yeah, there's a lot of like small lines that are great. You know, it really is a classic. Um, uh, so I have the junior mint at episode 35. 35? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love this one as well. I mean, I know we nitpicked a couple of things, but th- it's an episode that has so many funny moments. Uh, and it's also one of those episodes where the first time you see it, it's so great. You yeah. know, like the Junior Mint stuff is so funny. Like, it's hard to really penalize it. The fact that you know what's going to happen maybe makes, you know, and the name stuff mm-hmm. makes it maybe, you know, like not as maybe not the best rewatch episode. But in terms of like the first time it's on, it's it's hard to beat. Yeah. Boy, I'm trying to think if I like this better or worse than the implant last week. I mean, these two episodes back to back. I mean, yeah. talk about like this is really like murderers row. Yeah, no, no, listen, there's a reason why people love season four. Yeah. Really fantastic. 
Well, hopefully you'll feel the same about next week's episode. <laughs> Which is what? Uh, next week's episode is The Smelly Car with BBO. Oh, yeah. Another good uh, one. BBO and uh, Susan is back and she's a lesbian. <laughs> wow. I was Not there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth mentioning also, Rob, like, we have gotten, not us, we didn't write this show, we just wish we did. The, the, the writers have gotten so far away from the NBC storyline in the second half of the season, no? They, they really have. I mean, like, people think of this season as like, oh, that's the season where they're pitching a pilot. There's literally five episodes where it's mentioned. Yeah. And you know, we're, not, we're, we're really not getting to it again until the finale. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, a, boy, how are we going to shoehorn all that back in? Because it's like, a, what is it, an hour episode, but it's all about that? Yeah, it's all, you know, they cast it in that episode and, you know, we get Piven and all that stuff. Okay. All right. So, Akiva, you want to hear some Seinfeld emails that came in? Yeah, I think we got some good emails, yeah. Okay, let's start off with Travis. Travis wants to know, what's more embarrassing for George? Significant shrinkage from the pool or being caught crying during Home Alone? Yeah, I think the pool. <laughs> I think the pool is worse. <laughs> Hard to, hard. I didn't even need to hear the second one. Yes. Also, Travis wants to know, this episode had to have been the all-time high for Akiva's sitcom trope where conversations between two characters go unnoticed by other characters in the same room. First, the Kramer and Jerry scuffle in the operating room, and then the murder discussion at Jerry's apartment. I think the murder thing was a joke, right? That was just a throwaway line. Yeah, but I think that Elaine is like in the bathroom where Kramer and Jerry are arguing about it. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. I, I was thinking when he just the one joke he makes, uh, he makes the Mulva where he says, oh, I'm, you know, my hands are tense from the murder. Oh, he's talking about when they actually want to kill the when they want Roy to die. Yes. Yeah. Right. OK. But and we right. We've established many times that that the bathroom uh, door is not very thick. You can hear through there. Yeah. OK. There's a question from Craig who wants to know when it comes to product placement. In film and television, the Junior Mint tie-in might be the gold standard. The Maurice Richard or even the Wayne Gretzky of TV product placement. I do wonder, though, if it did so well that it overshot its mark. I mean, now when I hear Junior Mints, I am more likely to remember them from the episode than the candy. That's true. But it is Maurice Richard. I know the Canadians will get get on us about it. When I messed up a hockey name once, I got like five. Oh, boy. So it's Richard, Rocket Richard. But um, I think, I mean, Junior Mint didn't pay for this, right? I can't imagine that they did. But they got they so much that. publicity. I mean, no, I, I, I would never have heard of Junior Mint except for this. Yeah. It would just be, it would be below Goober. Mm. Imagine if the episode was called The Goober. The Goober. Also, Craig says that this episode caused someone in Milwaukee to get fired for sexual harassment towards his secretary when discussing the episode leading to a trial. What is the deal with people getting fired for talking about Seinfeld at work? This happened to someone who quoted a line from the Good Samaritan, too. I'll sign off by saying, Rob, if Rob is a podcast, Poster Recaps Productions has a sexual harassment policy. You might want to include the line that says any Seinfeld references cannot be construed as sexual harassment just to be safe. Yeah, and I think we, we appointed me head of HR, so I'll get on that. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another one. And here is a question from Amir, who says, Jerry mocked George for having watched Home Alone 2 and not Home Alone. This must be a pet peeve of Larry David, because in Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's a very similar scene 
where Larry ridicules Jeff for having seen the Sting 2, but not the Sting. I didn't even know they made a Sting 2. I forgot about that. Okay. Also says, this is one of the many Seinfeld episodes that's wonderful and memorable, but I've always thought it was named incorrectly. Assuming you're trying to name it after the central theme or the most memorable line in the episode, shouldn't it have been something like the Malva rather than the Junior Mint? Uh, yeah, or yeah, some, something name-related. People remember this as the Junior Mint, but I do think the Mulva stuff is better and is sort of more, you know, holds up better. There's nothing wrong with the name of this episode. This, the, the Junior Mint is fine. There's many episodes that we've talked about this, including in the episode that we uh, talked about where George bought the painting, the letter, as one of those. But right. the Junior Mint is fine. You say the Junior Mint, I know exactly what episode you're talking right. about. I was actually, I was talking to Amir about this today. I think one of the, one of the, the things is, this is a rare episode that has two really famous storylines, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's not about the Junior Mint, because it certainly is, but you forget like, oh, you'd be like, oh, what episode did the Mulva Dolores stuff happen in? Because that's so iconic. Yes. But it's not part of the title. I was also, I gave him uh, my two worst ones. I was really thinking about this today. Like in terms of episodes that that really need to be renamed, which I know we've discussed a few times. Uh, the comeback really should have been called The Jerk Store. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Little Kicks where Elaine dances bad also. It, it, nobody knows it just from The Little Kicks. It needs to be called like The Bad Dancer. So I don't have a great name for that, but something along those lines where, uh, where you know. And also The uh, Festivus, which it was called The Strike. He, uh, Amir pointed that out, but... They didn't realize Festivus would get so big, but clearly that episode should be called The Festivus. And Johnny DeSilvera, he writes to us, and he says, originally this episode was to be called The Artist. So, Amir, think about how much worse things could have been. Oh, that would have been an angry email. (laughs) All right. Also, Johnny wants to know, have either of us seen a sequel to a movie without seeing the actual first movie? Oh, good question. You know what? I, I went with camp once, that the same camp that was in the Poconos. Uh, we went to uh, the X-Files movie, and I'd never seen an episode of the X-Files. So does Ooh, that count? I think it so. Was, I was so lost. Yeah. I would say I, I actually saw the Heath Ledger Batman movie before I saw the Batman Begins. Yeah, I think that's fine, though. Those, oh, the those Dark movies Knight are, Rises. Are, I saw that right. and I had not seen Batman Begins and then I saw them I then I watched them both before I went to go watch The Dark Knight Rises. I think those movies are even if it's the same Batman a couple times in a row. I was very lost. self-contained. I, I was very much able to follow the plot. <laughs> Wait, which Batman. one's Batman? Which one's the Joker? I keep getting mixed up. <laughs> there was a little bit when I went like, oh, that guy was in that. Oh, okay. That guy. Yeah, right. I think that's fine. But I got it. I got it. All right, and let's wrap it up here with Chester. Chester says, I watched this episode with my wife who was protesting that she needs to study to become the board certified next month and didn't have time to waste on Seinfeld. And she says that she was also playing Candy Crush on her iPad. So this is really tying in medicine and candy. Oh, very good. Yes. Oh, good, good meta joke there, Chester. <laughs> While you appreciate her medical commentary, I'd like to point out that my illegal commentary is also valuable. And of course, this episode led to the famous uh, Dolores lawsuit, which uh, was mentioned. Okay, so here is Chester's wife's commentary on the junior mint. Number one, 
The attending surgeon would never retract the patient. That's the medical student's job. Okay. All right. Good to know. Aren't the medical students like up there? But I guess it's like the fourth year medical students, not like the babies. Okay. Number two. There's no such thing as an observation gallery. Observers go directly to the OR. So now they're like behind. Is that what she's saying? Yes. They're like on the floor. Yes. I do think, okay, fine. So maybe there used to be. And they got rid of it after this. Number three. What? The hospital operator who answers Jerry's call just happens to know the patient's condition and announces it over the phone. Hashtag HIPAA. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. She must not be an Adam Schefter fan either. (laughs) I bet not. Um, Yeah, that is weird, right? He makes one call and like the secretary for the hospital not only knows the that the patient used to not be in good shape is now in good shape is willing to give this information right over the phone. Like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of shadiness going on there. But wouldn't it be a great Seinfeld episode if it turns out that Kramer was getting a great deal on fireworks and met JPP and went down to JPP's (laughs) house for 4th of July. And then everyone's mad at Kramer because he like ruined the giant season. That would be a funny episode. That's like a modern Seinfeld thing. And number four, Surgeons never wear stethoscopes. Oh, boy. Shots fired at surgeons or at non-surgeons. I'm not sure. (laughs) And also, Chester says, does the hospital only have one doctor? This is the same guy who announces Susan's death and probably other hospital scenes uh, that don't immediately jump to mind. He's also the guy who has to amputate JPP's finger. (laughs) Listen, it's a small town. It's, you know... Yeah, Midtown Manhattan. Uh, how, how could they have more than one doctor? That's too expensive. Yeah. So <laughs> Kramer goes and brings all the fireworks down to JPP's house and he has the Cuban cigars and he's a big hit at the party. And then he's like, uh, he gives JPP one of the Cuban cigars when he's lighting the fireworks. But now can I call you out? Cause that's like too similar to the Monica Sellis ball boy episode. Hmm. What is it that similar? I mean, he's like knocking out another athlete out of out of you know contention. I guess so. But uh, no, that is a very good storyline. I like it. If they ever reboot Seinfeld, I, yeah. I feel like that could be a season one episode. And then George is trying to buy JPP's Super Bowl ring because oh, because <laughs> he can't wear it anymore. Oh, so good. George is trying to get a good deal on it. Oh, Rob, that's devious. I do think. <laughs> George, the type of guy, if he was a big football fan, he would be rooting for JP to like lose his fingers just because he hates the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not we're not like that as Jet fans. We're fine if JP keeps yeah. his fingers. And was Elaine dating JPP? I get. I, she'd have to be in there somewhere. She I, she, she was dating wanna, him. She doesn't want to date him with the nine fingers. Yeah, she's not dating a nine finger guy. <laughs> she needs ten fingers. <laughs> By the way, you just pitched like the greatest episode. In what if JPP was one of the Van Buren boys? What? What? And so now he lost two fingers. Did he? How many fingers did he really lose? One or two? I don't know. I think he lost one. Uh, so now, yeah. So now he's only holding up. Uh, now he's only holding up eight. And then they kicked it. He they kicked it out because he needs one of the fingers for the to do the Van Buren boys sign. That's right. Thirty <laughs> seventh best looking president of all time, Martin Van Buren. All right. We are officially off the rails here, but what a great episode of the Junior Mint. Lots of fun today. Yeah, great classic episode. Holds up. All right. So next week we are talking about, what is it? The smelly car? Smelly car. Yeah. Smelly car. All right. Lots of fun there. We need a hashtag here. Oh boy. What is it going to be? Uh, 
<laughs> We've gone off the rails a number of times today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um. Okay. Uh, should it be one of the fake names? Uh, we we forgot to mention in the inside look when Jerry's like naming trying. Uh, he must have tried out a hundred lines out the window. So when he's calling out like Dolores and Cloris, he also tries Kitty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why I thought of that. Yeah. Um. So I like Mulva Dolores. Home Alone 2, mm. Sign Smelled. <laughs> Let's, Ovary. Mm. <laughs> uh, Pocono's Honeymoon. Yeah, I feel like that'll be like people earnestly trying to find out <laughs> of Pocono's Honeymoons. It's like, <laughs> How about it'll be people like, I tried to go right. on a Pocono's Honeymoon and my uh, wife kicked me out of the house after I suggested it. <laughs> uh, Mulva Puglia. Ma- yeah, what a fat starving artist. I don't know. All right, let's go with Home Alone 3. There really was a Home Alone 3. There was a Home Alone 3. Hmm. I don't know. Oh. Just hashtag JTTJPP. <laughs> sure. There you go. It's all it's all done. Junior Mints, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments on postshowrecaps.com. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keev26. I am at Rob Sisternino. And we love to hear from you guys on our page on iTunes, which is at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We greatly appreciate any feedback that we get from you guys, whether it's five stars, even if it's one star. We appreciate that you care enough to leave us a one star rating. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't care that Akiva. much. <laughs> I don't think Akiva cares if you leave one star rating. No, I really don't. I really don't. Leave out just if you're taking the time out of your day. Even if you're a hater, we love you. Yes, we, we greatly appreciate it. All right, so that's at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. That's always, that's always appreciated. Let me see if we got any new, uh, any new reviews. Uh, oh, we got one from July 10th from C. Patterson, who says, I look forward every week to when Robin Akiva released the Seinfeld podcast. They do such an awesome job analyzing and repeating the show's jokes. They do a lot of in-depth analysis to a show about nothing. It's amazing how they can take a show that's 22 minutes and do a podcast that's well over an hour. The way that they break down each thing in the show. Talk about the history of the joke. They rank each episode and it's incredible. The show is real and it's spectacular. Nothing fake about it. Wow, what a great review. That's nice. Yeah, you give us 22 minutes, we give you the world. (laughs) All right, Akiva. Good stuff. We will talk to you next week when we talk about that old smelly car. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.